Welcome to the Every Nation New Jersey podcast. Every Nation is a Bible-believing, multi-ethnic, non-denominational church hoping to transform the world one life at a time. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Hey, good morning, Every Nation New Jersey. God bless you. PA here, Pastor Adam Burt, and I'm so excited that you would choose to spend your Sunday morning here with us at Every Nation New Jersey. And uh, you can see we got the trees out and we're ready to go as we're in this series we've just called uh, Songs of Christmas. And um, I, have you ever heard the term earworm before? Uh, that's, that's that thing where, where, where songs get stuck in your head and you can't get them out. And um, like, and do you notice it, like it's never a cool song ever? You know, I remember uh, I, I was I was playing in the NHL. Like, you have to be relatively tough to play this game. And I had young children at the time, and and they were fascinated with Barney. And so I had the Barney song stuck in my head. I love you, you love me. I'm, I'm just like asking God to kill me. Like, it's pretty hard to be tough uh, when you're singing the Barney song, right? And um, and I'm sure uh, some of you, uh, may, maybe if you're age 40 and above, uh, you may have been rickrolled at some point in your life. You remember that? You get that horrible Rick Astley song, never going to give you up, never going to let you down, right? And so, uh, uh, and then um, by far the worst was back in 2012 when a young girl by the name of Carly Rae put out a song. Hey, I just met you. This seems crazy, but here's my number. So call me. How does it go? Maybe, right? And that thing haunted me throughout the year of 2012, and I was asking Jesus just to kill me and take me home, okay? And so, uh, but, but listen, uh, today uh, the song we're going to do is, O Come, All Ye Faithful. And, and there's this consistent refrain that I hope it gets trapped uh, in your brain like an earworm. And I pray it, it gets trapped in your mind and, and it drops down into your heart. And it's, it's this refrain, O come, let us adore him. Let us adore him. And in fact, the, the, the term like adore, it, it simply means to make much of. Uh, it can mean to praise or to worship. And, and for the record, you and I were created by Almighty God to worship. If I could just break down, keep it simple, like worship simply means worth-ship. And so uh, you were created to worship, and you're going to worship something. Uh, the, the question is, what are you going to fix and attach your worship to? Uh, because if you fix your, your worship onto anything other than Jesus, it's going to be entirely insufficient to hold you and to sustain uh, your worship. And so uh, like, um, I'll, I'll just kind of highlight it this way. So how many of you have just, you've had your favorite song, man, and it was just your jam, and every time it came on the radio or a playlist, man, you were just so pumped, and it, it could either get you bumping or it just made you to feel something, and uh, the only thing is, is just, just give it a week, two weeks, maybe three, and, and what happened? Your favorite song, suddenly, it just becomes another song, right? Um, or uh, let, me, let me speak to the ladies here. Come on, ladies, let me say, like, like did you ever just get that outfit? You know, that thing where you just felt beautiful. There was something special when you put it on. You felt, you felt significant, right? And, and you did it, and you, you, you wore it once, twice, maybe three times, and suddenly the, those clothes, it, they just lost the ability to make you feel special 
and beautiful, what they just became a, another pair of jeans or another blouse, right? And uh, my, my favorite by far is I, I can recall my, my family and I, we went to Cabo on vacation. And, and so we went to this beautiful resort and I can remember carrying our luggage. And as I entered into the resort, there was this spectacular view of the ocean. I mean, it was so stunning. I had to put the suitcases down and I just stared in awe and wonder And you know what? After about two days, it just became the ocean again. See, it couldn't sustain, it couldn't hold, it loses its power to hold our worship. But there is one thing in all of the cosmos that that the beauty, the glory, man, the, the, the goodness, it's inexhaustible. And that's where you want to attach uh, your worship. And that is to, one, uh, to, to only one person, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Like, um, like there have been moments when I'd, I'd, I'd read the scriptures, and I don't know if you've read those portions where it's like angels. It feels like their job description is just to be up in heaven in the presence of God saying, holy, 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 right? And when I'd read that, I was like, man, it sounds horrible to be an angel. But, but I realized I was, I was reading it wrong. Like, like when you sit in the presence of Almighty God, like, like the different facets of his beauty and his glory, like, have you ever seen something that, that just catches your eye or surprises you or is so glorious, you're like, holy! And, and that's what the angels are doing in heaven is each and every day they see a new dimension of God's goodness, his glory, his beauty. They're like, holy, 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 right? And, and, and that's what we need to be. And so what a gift it is. And so I, I just pray that those words just pound around in your head. Oh, come, let us adore him. You know, the, the song itself, it, it encourages us, it invites us uh, to behold him and to adore him like each and every day. So in, in fact, um, uh, um, you know, the, the Bible would say this is a lot of times it equates our relationship, our union with Jesus to be like a marriage, right? And and I, I can recall if you travel with me back in time, it was it was uh, uh, back in 1988. We were we were approaching the the Christmas season, and and I remember, man, I was just uh, uh, my girlfriend Susan. I, I was I was I was thinking about getting engaged. So, but being the man of God I am, I immediately went right to prayer, and so I got on my knees to find out if if she was the one. And so I got down, Lord, should I? Yes, Lord. And uh, <laughs> I wasn't going to give Jesus an opportunity to say no, uh, don't. And uh, so, man, I, I went out and got the ring and and uh, it was my first year playing pro hockey and I, I actually rented a, a bedroom in a home uh, and so you need to feel this I didn't say a one-bedroom home I rented strictly a bedroom in a home <laughs> and so but I got that place all decked up and and, and Susan was coming into town and and uh, and I had the, the, the lights and the, I had this miniature Christmas tree with the with the colored lights all around it and I can remember that evening and I, and, and I, I got down on one knee and, and I, I look Susan in her eye, and, and could you imagine if I said, Susan, I love you. Um, would you marry me each and every Sunday? Like, would you be my wife on Sundays? <laughs> How, you know, like, like no woman's signing up for that. And you know what? Neither is Jesus. Like, he, he's not interested in being a Sunday-only Savior. But rather, man, he wants e- all of you, each and every part of you, Every moment uh, of your life, uh, he, he's, he, he um, became a man, 
suffered and died and rose again so that he might be joined with each and every one of us, all of us, all the time. So, oh, come, let us adore him. And, and notice, notice the refrain uh, of the song. It, it's this, it's, it's, oh, come, come, come. And do you know that that, that is the refrain of the Bible, that, that the Bible, the scriptures, it, it invites us uh, to come to Jesus time and time again. I'll read to you Psalm 95, verse 6. It says this, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Right? Um, to, to those that, that are weary and heavy laden, here's what Jesus said. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Do you know what he says, what Jesus says to the skeptic? If you remember, uh, like Peter in Matthew chapter 14, as Jesus is walking on the water, Peter's like, hey, if that's really you, Lord, bid me to come on to the water. And what does Jesus say? Come, come. And that is the appeal uh, of the scriptures and of the song, O come, all ye faithful, is to come to Jesus. In fact, we're going to read today in Matthew chapter 2 um, about a, a group of wise men that were going to travel some 400 miles just to come to Jesus. Uh, but before we read our text, uh, I, I got to set some things straight, all right? Because uh, uh, at least in my neighborhood, there's some people that are very theologically confused. Um, so I don't know where you live, but man, I, I live uh, in Caldwell. Just think pizzerias and nail salons, right? It's a little, we get a little bit of redneck here and there. And, uh, and, and so uh, uh, on the, uh, the front lawns of certain homes, they'll have the nativity scene, but, but they get a little theologically confused. Uh, because uh, there's sweet baby Jesus in a manger. You know, there's, there's maybe Joseph uh, and Mary. Uh, but then we're going to have like three wise men, Santa, Rudolph, and, and occasionally you'll find a SpongeBob SquarePants uh, in the nativity scene, right? It's a, it's a little bit confusing. And so I need to set uh, the record straight here. Uh, first of all is this, is do, do you know that um, the Bible never says that there's three wise men? Uh, we just think, uh, assume there's three because we're familiar uh, of the three gifts, and that's what we'll talk about later on today. And, um, and, and as well, here's what you need to know is, do you know that these wise men wouldn't have found Jesus in a manger? See, he, he was probably, Jesus was probably about two years old uh, during this, this time when the wise men appeared on the scene. And, and with that being the backdrop, uh, let's read Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12. It's a lengthy uh, passage, so uh, stay with me, all right? It's Christmas. Here we go. Uh, Matthew uh, 2, starting uh, in verse 1, it says this, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Verse 7, Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. 
After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts. Here we go. Gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. And so, um, listen, like, like you, can, you can tell a lot about how someone perceives you by the gifts they give to you, can't you? Come on, man. Like, we've all got received a gift some, from somebody. We open them up and we're like, what in the world? Like a Snuggie? What am I supposed to do with this, right? And, you know, you, you get stuff and you're like, why would you think I want this? <laughs> and then you wind up re-gifting it if Christians did such things, right? And <laughs> but, but you can tell so much by these gifts that the wise men laid at the feet of Jesus. Um, they, they brought gold, and gold was the gift given to kings. Uh, they, they brought frankincense. Frankincense was a gift given to priests. And then lastly, they brought myrrh. And you know what myrrh was used for in the first century? It, it was used uh, in the, in the um, uh, burial process uh, for the dead. Like, what an odd gift. It's like, you get that, and Mary's got to be like, thank you, you know? But it was the gift given for someone that was to be sacrificed. And so that's where we're heading. Lord, I pray you give us grace here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, listen, let's look at the first gift. Number one is the gift of gold, the gift given uh, for a king. In fact, you can read uh, Solomon, one of the greatest kings ever. Uh, it says in the scriptures that, that the queen of Sheba came to see the great Solomon and she laid 120 talents of gold at his feet because gold is the gift for a king. And so um, if you paid attention in our text, if you notice, there were two kings in the text, King Herod and King Jesus. And I think the number one question you need to ask this morning is this, what king is sitting on the throne of your heart? Like, you've got to answer that question. Um, if I can just uh, just give you a little uh, history. Uh, do you know that, that King Herod uh, was a wicked, wicked man? Uh, he was a madman. And if you don't believe me, let me just lay a little history uh, at your feet. Do you know that Herod, he felt uh, threatened by three of his sons, had them all murdered. Uh, that that he, he was threatened by the Sanhedrin, that's the Jewish high court. And so he had 45 of the magistrates uh, assassinated uh, in the Sanhedrin. That, that his beloved wife, um, uh, Miriam, that, that too, once again, he felt threatened by her. He had her killed, but then later on in life, he would, he would walk the halls of the palace crying out for Miriam, Miriam, right? Did I tell you he's a, a little crazy? And, um, and then, get this, Days before his death, he, he assembled his military and he, and he had them uh, go um, apprehend and hold uh, some, some prominent Jewish people. And what he, he ordered his uh, uh, soldiers to do, that up, upon uh, Herod's death, that they were to execute these prominent Jewish people. And the reason why is because he, he feared that no one would cry uh, at the death of Herod, so at least there would be some tears uh, in Jerusalem. And, and then last but not least, just a, a few verses after our text today, we're going to read that the madman Herod, um, he feels threatened by this baby born in Bethlehem, and he's going to have all the two-year-old and younger children killed, right? 
But, but I say all that to say this, uh, as bad of a king as Herod was, you know what, that you might make uh, an even worse king. Don't worry, me too. Because like, like, so who, what king is sitting on the throne of your life? Because if, if you are sitting on the throne of your life, can I tell you this? You're a real crummy king. Do you know that, you know that no one speaks to you uh, more cruel than you do? Isn't it true? Have you ever paid attention to some of your self-talk? How mean and cruel and unforgiving and unmerciful you are to yourself? And, and like, have, have you ever paid attention to how often you've lied to yourself, right? I'll never do that again. Or, or this time I mean it, right? And, and, and what, we, we deceive ourselves. And so if you, you look in the rearview mirror of your life, I promise you that, that no one has harmed you more than you because you make a real crummy king to sit on the throne of your life. And um, listen, I'll even share, like, uh, my, my wife Susan, she is just good at everything she does. And I'm not speaking in hyperbole. Like, like she is good at everything. And if she can't do something, just give her a day and she'll figure that mug out. And so, but as incredible as my wife Susan is, do you know what? She makes a terrible king. Because my wife, she doesn't have the ability to save me, to, to fix me, to, to touch those broken spaces uh, of my heart. Um, and for me to, to put that kind of pressure on her, the pressure to have to be God, it is a crushing pressure, and it's cruel to do to her. And so, um, like, like Susan, like our spouse, they, they make crummy kings. And, and ladies, I, I'll speak to you. Like, like, I know there's some of you, like you get this idea that there's going to be this man out there that can just fix all that's broken in my heart, and, and he will complete me, Jerry Maguire. But, but ladies, can I tell you, it's just not true. Like, like, like that dude, uh, do you know what? Uh, he's going to leave the toilet seat up. In the odd time when he does remember to put it down, uh, he's probably going to pee on it, okay? Is that too much for a Sunday morning? I'm sorry, but it's just the truth, okay? And, and ladies, let me let you know this too, that, that, that he's going to lose hair in areas where you want it to be, and then he's going to grow hair in places where you don't want it to be. Like, like uh, I know like some dudes, man, they've got so much hair coming out their ear and their nose, it looks like they snorted a cat, Right? And so, uh, uh, ladies, men make crummy, crummy kings. And, and we can fast forward this even to really good stuff L- like children, uh, success, uh, money, family. All these things are amazing and good things. They just make really, really crummy gods. They will always, always fall short of giving you what you need. They can't save you. But these, these wise men, they found the true king. They found Jesus, and they came and they fell on their face, and they worshiped. Oh, come, let us adore him. And then we see the second gift was what? It was frankincense. And this was the gift given uh, to the priest. So if you uh, go back in Exodus chapter 30, you'll see that, that, that God had a specific perfume that he wanted to permeate uh, the temple. And, and, and one of those four ingredients was frankincense. And so the incense that filled the temple, there would be the fragrance of frankincense, uh, both in the temple, and get this, it was the fragrance uh, of Jesus. 
And so I um, uh, share an odd story with you, like, like you know, that, that research has shown us that, that smell is one of the, the, the best, like, um, indicators to recall, like, history and moments of your past, right? And, and so when you've got a nose this side, listen, smell is strong uh, in this guy. And, and so I can remember being a little kid, and there was this fragrance that someone uh, just wore, and I was like, oh, my gosh, when, when I get married, my wife's going to wear this one. And so I, I went on this journey. I was trying to find out what perfume this was. And, and, and Susan will, will testify to this. Like, I'll be walking in the mall and somehow I'll just smell it on somebody. I'm like, like some kind of bloodhound, chase him down. I'm trying to figure out what fragrance it is. Or my wife Susan and I will go into Sephora and we'll be like, nope, nope, heck no, right? right? And so we, we go through the mall, could never find it until uh, my, my uh, sister was, was uh, staying with us over a, a, a long weekend. And, and she came and, and I came down to grab my coffee and then all of a sudden, there was the fragrance. And I went over to my sister, and I was like, and I'm like, you know, not to be weird, uh, her name is Boo, we call her Boo, and I'm like, Boo, but, but uh, what, what are you wearing? And she let me know that a girlfriend of hers had made her very own perfume, and I had found it, this fragrance I, I had been searching for my whole life. And you know, in a very real way, you know, at, at the age of, of 12, man, I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in that moment, I knew I'd I'd found the fragrance that I'd been searching for my entire life. In fact, the the Apostle Paul will say this, that the fragrance of Christ, it's the fragrance of life to some and the stench of death uh, to others. Oh, come, let us adore him. You know, and, and, and something you need to know is Jesus, he is our great high priest, Um, The the scriptures would say that he ever lives to make intercession for us. That that means that the word intercession, it means to stand in between. Like like that Jesus, he wants to protect us, stand uh, on our behalf. And so uh, let me me share this. uh, The story I think illustrates quite well is, you know, it was was back in 1943 and um, World War II was in full force. And and, uh, the Nazis uh, were were taking over uh, Rome and... Uh, but there was something else that was, was overcoming Rome as well. And it was this rare disease. It was called Syndrome K. And, and you got to hear, this sounds a little too eerily familiar, is that, that syndrome, uh, uh, syndrome K, the symptoms were horrible. Your, your lungs filled up with fluid. Uh, that, that your vital organs would begin to fail. Uh, you'd be gasping for breath. Uh, and for air. And so um, uh, Dr. Giovanni uh, Bermio, Dr. Giovanni Bermio, he had seen all the death and devastation, and he said, I've had enough. And so, so Dr. Giovanni, he actually dedicated an entire wing of his hospital for those uh, that were infected with Syndrome K. Well, um, the, the Nazis would go through homes, businesses, and hospitals, and, and they would check to make sure that there was nothing shady going on. And, and so even, even the Nazis, when they tried to go to the wing infected with Syndrome K, the doctor would have none of it because he was tired of seeing all the death. He, he wouldn't want a Nazi to get infected with it as well. And, and so the, but, but at one point, the Nazis became suspicious, and so they were like, uh, we're going through. And as they busted through uh, the, the barricade of, of Dr. Giovanni, they went through, but they immediately heard this horrific wheezing, coughing, vomiting in the back. And then they pulled back, and they're like, oh, we don't want any part of that. And here's what's amazing about this story. It is Dr. Giovanni 
he never contracted the disease of Syndrome K. You know why? Uh, because you can't be infected uh, by, by being Jewish. And you know, see, see um, Syndrome K was actually not a disease, but, but it was this veil that Dr. Giovanni used uh, to, to cover over, to intercede for and protect well over 100 Jewish children and, and women, right? And so uh, there was another man, Jesus the God-man, who said, I've had enough of, of the dying. And, and he came down from his throne in heaven. He became a man. He goes to the cross uh, and he died on our behalf. And then it says that he rose and went back into heaven. And now he ever lives to intercede on our behalf. Oh, come, let us adore him. And then here's the, the final gift that we see is this, is, is the gift of myrrh. And, and it was the gift given uh, to help prepare the dead for burial. And so my wife, Susan, uh, gifts uh, as her number one love language. And so she is amazing at giving gifts, usually. Uh, I can remember this one particular year, you know, you get up and get under the tree and I, you know, I get this good sized box and I'm, you know, I'm trying to guess what it is. I'm thinking this might be a new iPhone, man, right? Or, or it might be a watch. And man, I, I crush that thing open. And, and what do I pull out? Nose hair trimmers. And, and like, wait, feel me like, which in itself is offensive. Uh, but it, it was, it was about this big. Like it was gas operated. It had a pull on it, right? And and it had a, this giant like like headlamp on it as well. And and so it was the Binford 2000. And and so I'm like, thank you for this. Uh, but apparently I needed it. <laughs> and 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 here for the record, humanity, um, more than anything, uh, more than any other gift in the cosmos, we need the gift of a savior, someone that would would take our place, uh, right? And so um, here, were, here was the Jewish pra- practice, um, how, how they would prepare the dead is they, they would wrap them in grave clothes. Uh, but before they did that, uh, they, they would smear their bodies uh, with myrrh. It was this pungent resin that they would use. It would help counteract the stench uh, of decomposition. And so you might remember with me in the scriptures that when Lazarus, he was four days in the grave and Jesus says, roll away the stone. And remember what they say, they're like, Lord, uh, he's going to stink. Or if you read the King James version, Lord, it stinketh. Right. And, and so, uh, but, but Jesus too, uh, upon his death and prior to his burial, the scriptures say that Nicodemus and Joseph took the Lord's body and they, they took 75 pounds of myrrh and spices, wrapped him in grave clothes. They prepared his body for burial. But get this, uh, on the third day, Jesus rose again and he didn't stinketh. He didn't, stent, he didn't have a stench of death, but he smelled of myrrh. And you know what? Our guy Lazarus, when, when, Le- when Lazarus was raised from the dead, resurrected by Jesus, uh, he, he didn't stinketh, but rather he smelled like Jesus. He had the smell of myrrh on him. And, and here's, you know the, the name Lazarus, what it means? It means one whom God helps. And, and for the record, aren't we all just a bunch of Lazaruses? Like we're just a bunch of people that, that God in his goodness and his grace is helping us. He's helping us. And so I'll end with this. And like, there's so many great like Christmas commercials they have on. There's some bad ones, but um, have you ever seen that these Hobby Lobby commercials? There was one they put out a couple years ago that it, it just I cry every time I see it. Right? And 
And so uh, the, the commercial, it begins with this, this little girl, and she lives uh, um, you know, you know, out on this farmland. And, and, and this little girl, you can, you can always see her coming home uh, from school, and she has this extensive uh, run up this long driveway. And as she's going in, you can see that, that she lives on a small farm where they have sheep. And, and she, she runs up, and they keep showing the scenes of her coming home from school, running up the driveway. And each and every scene, her, her steps get more and more urgent as she can tell that the cold, that winter is coming. And she'll run into her house and she'll go into her room and she'll shut the door so nobody can see what she's doing. And, and as she's in there, she's, it looks like she's sewing something together. And, and as, uh, as winter grows nearer and nearer and nearer, finally, uh, the brutal cold comes and the little girl runs home and she, she gets into her room and there it reveals she had knit together this tapestry, this, this beautiful quilt. And, and the little girl goes out to the barn. And as the doors open, you see her daddy is shearing the sheep. And you see this defenseless, cold, now naked sheep. And, and the little girl takes the quilt and she gently puts it over onto this defenseless animal. And isn't that our story? Like, like Jesus as he becomes a man, there's this urgency to the life of Jesus. He's got to get to the cross. But before he does, in the process, he's weaving together this beautiful life, this perfect life, perfect humanity. Uh, and, and then Jesus, as he raises from the dead, now there's this great exchange where he takes us in our nakedness, in our sin, in our trespass, and then he covers over us. Over us. With his, with his beautiful life, his righteousness. And, and now when the Father, he looks at us, we are covered in the life of Jesus. And he says, you're spotless, you're blameless. Oh, come, let us adore him. And let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this time that we could gather together around your word. And Lord, I, I want to pray for those this morning that, that don't know you. Oh, Jesus, Lord, I pray that, that those that maybe just by chance they're hearing this, this sermon for the first time, and I, I pray, Holy Spirit, you would, you would work on them, Lord, that you would call them to yourself, and I pray that they, they would accept this great exchange, this great gift that only Jesus uh, can give, the gift of his righteous life. I pray it all in Jesus' name. And everyone said, come on, amen, amen. Well, listen, God bless you. Uh, the sermon's over with, but we're not quite finished. Can I just remind you that you can be faithful in your tithing, in your giving? For those of you that have been partnering with Every Nation New Jersey, can I just say thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, we, we believe in the tithe here at Every Nation, and it just means a tithe simply means a tenth, that we believe a, a, a tenth of everything that, that we receive from the Lord, we give back to him uh, in the form of the tithe. And there's, there's three ways you can give. Um, number one, you can go to our website, encnj.org, and just hit the giving icon. Uh, or you can give via text. That's the way my, my family and I give. It's, it's very quick and convenient. Uh, if you just text the letters ENCNJ to the number 77977. Uh, or lastly, uh, you can uh, mail in your check or money order right here to our church offices at 101 Gibraltar Drive, right here in Morris Plains, New Jersey. And may God richly bless you uh, as you're faithful uh, to give. And uh, listen, every nation, Jesus thinks you're amazing. And I think you're pretty great too. Have a merry, merry Christmas. 
Thanks for listening to the Every Nation New Jersey podcast. For more information on our church, or if you'd like to give a financial gift, just go to our website, emcnj.org.